This is Eighth Day Encouragement, a recap of the Sunday service, offering hope and faith from the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. You can find us online at holytrinity-nyc.org. In Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous last speech, he ends it by saying that he's not worried. He's happy. He's not afraid of anybody. Mine eyes have seen the glory, he says. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Well, of course, most of us would recognize that Martin Luther King Jr. was quoting a hymn, that hymn we know as the Battle Hymn of the Republic. But he was doing more than simply quoting a hymn because its tune and its words had strong, powerful associations for him and for many other people. It turns out that the tune of that hymn was an old folk tune. It was from a spiritual especially loved and sung by African-American soldiers in the Union Army during the Civil War. There were a number of different sets of words that would go with the song, and the soldiers would change them depending on the context and the audience. But whichever words were used, no matter the context, when other African-Americans and people yearning for freedom heard that tune, they recognized it as a freedom song, and they heard notes for a new day. As I say, that hymn and its tune was known not only to African-Americans, others heard in it the promise of freedom. Julia Ward Howe, the poet, author, and social activist, knew the meaning of that tune. Maybe she was humming it to herself as she met with Abraham Lincoln in 1861. But whatever the case, based on that trip and her own passion for peace, abolition, and women's suffrage, Howe wrote new words to the tune, making the hymn that is familiar to many of us today. One stanza shows this in particular, It goes, in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory becomes its own prayer. There's an urgency to it, like a fight song for a victory you can almost taste because you want it so bad. It's that same cry for glory that carries with it a sense of already having tasted what's possible, what is to come. As Dr. King said, he'd been to the mountaintop and looked over. His faith told him what was possible. His faith helped him see what could be inevitable. That idea of glory helped him get there and moved him on. But what is this glory of God? What do we mean when we sing about it or say the words? Well, today's gospel gives us a hint. There in the midst of a crowd, in the midst of a huge wedding party, there's Jesus with his mother, Mary. A minor crisis occurs when it looks like the wedding host has run out of wine. And so Mary urges Jesus to do something. Jesus does. He acts. And according to John, the gospel writer, Jesus, in changing the water into wine, does the first of his signs and through this reveals his glory. But it's not only the glory of Christ that's revealed, it's the glory of God, and it's a glory into which we all are invited. (laughs) 
The glory of God lives just beyond our normal expectations. It, it shimmers at the edges of our perception. It works like this. At first glance, we look dead on at a situation and we, we seem to think we've got it. In the gospel, the problem is clear enough. There's no more wine. But the Virgin Mary can see that just on the other edge of things, a little to the side, something else is ready to break in. And that something is not of this world. It has to do with glory. Isaiah, John the Baptist, Mary, the mother of God, Martin Luther King, and so many more say the same thing to us. They say to us, don't get stuck looking down. Don't get stuck looking at yourself. Don't get stuck counting the cards you've been dealt and complaining about them. There's more. Look for glory and live into it. And so where might this glory of God be pulling us? How might it be inviting us to see beyond where we currently are? Well, for the person in the workplace, glory might lurk just beyond that point of refusing to settle for the same old way of doing things. Rather than give the same old answer and the obvious solution, look beyond Ask Jesus to point you forward for God's glory to help. For business people, glory can lead to risk, but not always the kind of risk that makes money for oneself, but more like the risk of an entrepreneur, a startup, an investment that that overflows into social good, and so other people are helped and enabled and moved along. They catch on to the glory. For the teacher or volunteer, maybe you've been trying to reach a particular child. You're out of energy and you're out of tricks, but through prayer, you can put that child's hand in the hand of Jesus and look towards the way of glory. Wherever we might be stuck, whether in a relationship or a habit or an outlook, whether we're looking for a job or or feel stuck in the one we have, we can all of us follow the Virgin Mary's lead. We can look to Christ and follow him. And in so doing, we tiptoe towards glory. Martin Luther King Jr. said his eyes had seen the glory of the Lord, but it was more than that. He saw with faith. Glory helps other glory. Glory upon glory At the 11 o'clock Holy Eucharist on Sunday, the 16th of January, the choir sang a a beautiful anthem by British composer Richard Allen. A recording will follow my words right here. If you listen to this anthem, it's a beautiful singing of the way glory works, building upon itself note on note, chord on chord, dissonance here and there, but blending and building, working into a holy whole. There's a crescendo of God's presence, of light, and then a falling away, quiet, but stillness. And we're changed and still empowered by love. This is all a part of glory's work upon us and within us and into the world. On this weekend of celebrations, as we remember the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and pledge our own service to a way forward, May we allow God to use everything we have, our eyes, our mouths, our ears, our hearts, our hands, everything we are, have been, and may be, to perceive and point to God's ever-unfolding glory, glory that moves us over the mountaintop eventually, that frees and that saves us all into eternal life. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. You've been listening to Eighth Day Encouragement. The eighth day is a Monday after the seven days of the week, but the eighth day also stands as a new creation outside the pattern of the usual seven. And so the eighth day symbolizes resurrection, hope, and the possibilities for new life. I'm John Bedingfield, the priest and rector at the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. I hope you'll come and visit us in person one day, but you can also worship with us through Facebook Live, follow us on YouTube, and learn more at holytrinity-nyc.org. God bless you this week and always.